Reputation is undeniably something all professionals should spend some time managing. And small business owners know how much the opinions of customers, prospects, and referral sources matters to their business. So how do you manage your personal brand reputation, online and in the flesh? That's what we're talking about today. The Speakeasy Podcast, honest conversations about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity in business? We probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. Jen, how do you serve your humble pie? Well, in a rocks glass, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a really nice one. We sort of made this one up. It's uh, blood orange vodka, Aperol, lemon juice, club soda. Surprisingly simple, really. Yeah, and just garnished with a little lemon wheel. It's really kind of fresh. And I love the name. Humble Pie is just right for this reputation conversation. You got it. So uh, one thing I want to say is that you're amazing. No, you're amazing. No, really. Keep going. (laughs) You know, I want to know, since high school... When have we really been worried about our reputations? We didn't grow up with social media. So, I mean, are we circling back to caring about our reputations? Yeah, I got I to gotta be honest. I really don't care. I probably should care more than I do sometimes. And so this is going to be a really good conversation for me. But I don't know if it's just the older I get, the less I care. Or I get too busy to remember to care. Hmm. But in, like you said, the age of social media, everything is out there. So we have to be careful, I think. Yeah, I think there was a period when as a very, very green professional, and this was pre-social media, I cared very much about what people thought about me. I wanted to be considered serious. I wanted people to understand that I knew my my stuff, right? And so I think I was busy kind of in the present moment managing my reputation all the time. But I think some of that falls um, to the wayside as you you know, become practice and are just able to demonstrate your capability without worrying about it, you know, just in without having to tell people. I think that's absolutely true. And, I, you know, I feel like I've, I spend a lot of my lifetime kind of with my head in the clouds, not considering things that would affect my reputation. And then something would happen and I'd go, oh, oh, that's how that works. So I might have been a little clueless in my younger years and not not been as attentive as I should have been. But I think I'm oh, I'm better at it now, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, I remember I remember my mom always saying, you know, don't say anything in public that you wouldn't say to me or your grandmother. It's kind of like it's true that, and um, you know, never be photographed with a drink in your hand. And I think we've maybe thrown that one out uh, the window. Yeah, we blew that one. <laughs> Dear listeners, our reputation is for enjoying good drinks, but not to excess. That's that's my. That's my pitch on that one. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, some of the some of the choices that you make in moderation are a part of you, but they are not you. That's true. It's really good. Unless you make them about you and then you're in trouble, right? Well, that's true. So we came up with a really great way to break this topic down. It's brilliant and never thought of before. We're going to a very complicated model, uh, only understood by those with very high degrees. It's the who, what, when, where, why, and how of <laughs> managing your reputation. So the first question is, who? Whose opinion do you care about anyway? Well, certainly the people that you care about the most, your your friends, your loved ones, your family. As business owners, obviously colleagues, prospects, clients. <laughs> That's true. And, you know, you have to care about what your clients think about you. Whoever helps you bring bread to the table is where you have to make sure that your reputation is impeccable. You just do. Your competition, does it matter what they think? 
Well, you know, honest to goodness, I think it doesn't if it's a neutral opinion, and certainly it does if it's a negative one. I think our competition sometimes can be a great referral source. They're the people that may end up hearing your name when they're receiving the bad news that they haven't won a contract, and you'd want them to say, you know, congratulations, I'm sorry you're not working with me, but I'm glad you're working with X. They'll take good care of you. I would rather somebody say that about me than any other possibility. That's so true, and oftentimes we will have clients that for whatever reason they are not a fit. For, for us and our model or our capacity at the time. And I always really love having somebody quality to recommend them to, to say, oh, we might not be able to do this for you, but this, this organization down the street or this organization that does X would be able to take care of you very well. So it feels great to know other people in that competitive space so that you can help clients, right? Absolutely. What about on the other side of that spectrum? What about when you have a list of three people that you just hope and pray that your prospect or your client would never work with. Do you share that information? I have shared that information very judiciously when asked. I would never, ever offer it up. Absolutely. I, too, have been asked that question in a very pointed way. And I always preface and disclaim what I share. And really what I do is I ask questions so that I... I'm getting specific questions from the client, so I'm only answering very specific things that I know to be true. Well, and that answer, how you answer is part of your own reputation, right? So if somebody says to you, what would you say about Acme Corporation? And you could know full well that Acme doesn't pay their vendors or is difficult for their employees or shortchanges their clients. You could know it as a fact. But what are you going to gain by saying it? So you really have to think of it in terms of, well, client... First of all, I've never worked directly with them, and I know that they are known around town for being able to do X, Y, and Z. If that aligns with where you're trying to go, maybe they're a good fit. If that doesn't align with where you're trying to go, you might want to look at this other guy over here who I know has the skills you need. Yeah, absolutely. One of the other who's that we haven't said is obviously our community. So both you and I are involved in our community and and enjoy volunteering and giving back and and participating. And I think that how you're known in your community, whether it is, you know, Jen wearing her business owner hat, you know, wearing her redhead hat, or whether it's who you are in your neighborhood, among your children's activity circles, you know, who you are is important. And it's important because it affects those people, right? Who you are known to be in your children's activity circles could affect your children. So you have to understand that your reputation rubs off on people other than just you. Yeah. Your husband is stuck with your your reputation. Yeah, and and similarly aren't we aren't we in it to teach our children the same? That's true. We yeah. are. Do you know what your last name is? <laughs> I had a friend who her child I probably told you the story. They got to the first parent-teacher conference of kindergarten, and they were going through the report card, as you get in kindergarten, mm-hmm. and her son had failed being able to say what his elbow was. She's like, gosh, we just never, we never covered elbow, never told him what it was. <laughs> <laughs> and it really made me laugh. You, you just sometimes forget. Yeah. I, uh, similarly, and this is actually more recent than I'd like to admit, my son could not accurately answer what town he lived in. Because, you know, we're from Lansing. Right. (laughs) He didn't really know what town he lived in. Which is charming and terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we skipped over that part. I don't know. So anyway, so we figured out who we might talk to. And the question then is, what do you want them to say about you? What do you want people to say about you, Jen? Me? Yeah. I want them to say she's brilliant and witty and really efficient. I only say the efficient part because I don't feel very efficient some days. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I wish it were true. I would like people to also have very similar descriptions of me. And it's funny because we're very different women. That's true. Well, I'm not witty. That's the funny part. I think you you are very, very funny. And um, so sometimes I feel like I rely on your wit because it's it's just easier. It comes quicker to you. Really, I just want people to believe we're going to do what we say we're going to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there are some bottom line things that we just wouldn't, wouldn't negotiate, right? We're actually going to be having that conversation um, in our next episode called Breaking the Rules. So you'll That's have to true. tune back in. But I think it's a good question to ask yourself once in a while, what would I want people to say about me? Mm -hmm. And be able to articulate that better than I just did. And then do some self-reflection to make sure you're living up to who you want to be. I think that that's a healthy thing to do once in a while. Absolutely. I do think it's important to think about for a while. And you've given me great food for thought because I'm not sure that I could articulate it as an elevator pitch, you know, very easily right now. Um, Because I think it's who we are is just a part of our cellular being. And uh, breaking a promise just isn't something I'm willing to do without communicating a new promise, for example. So there are things I know that are true about me that I would want people to to think about me, but it's it's hard to think of it on the spot. That's true. And so I think that what, what I figured out, um, maybe we've got a little bit of homework. When you asked me that question, I should have been able to come up with a more thoughtful answer. Yeah. And so maybe that's what I'll do this evening is think that one through. Ooh, it's almost like one of those 360 reviews. You could write down what you think about you, and I can think about what I think of you and see what that 360 view is. That's true. For you. And listeners, you can DM us at any time and tell us what you think about us. <laughs> We'd love to hear it. Oh, that would be fun. That would be really fun. Let's do that. So, but here's the deal. Why manage your reputation? And we're not just talking about social media. We're talking about reputation management, right? That existed a long time before the book of face. So, my whole thing that I try to teach my kids is that in the absence of truth, someone will backfill information. So if we don't know what's so, if it's an incomplete set of information, people are going to backfill for you, and it's not usually in your favor. No, it's not usually in your favor, and it's just never accurate. Even if it's kind, it's not accurate, Mm -hmm. right? You have to manage that reputation so someone else doesn't do it for you. Yeah. I think that's a really good point, Karen. Uh, When I was in college, I went through some training that helped manage conversations and Uh, When we were describing other people, we were not allowed to use the word nice because it was kind of one of the worst things you could say about someone. It's like raising your hand and saying, I really don't know anything about that person. So I'll say that they're nice. Interesting. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because this is where it gets fuzzy. We're talking about reputation, which really in today's parlance, people would talk about their personal brand, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I don't know, I haven't delved deeply into, is there a difference, if there, is there a difference between your brand and your reputation? There should not be Mm-mm. because your reputation is built upon your, your actions. And so your reputation is reflective of what you say and do. And your brand shouldn't try to be something that is not what you say and do. But it's a it's a tricky place because we have to manage it these days much more so than I think we did 10 or 15 years ago. Well, and I can't wait to get to the how because I think some of, some of those tactics are going to be really clear. But part of that why, again, with that backfilling of information, you want to prevent people. For, you want to lead with your best self so that you're preventing the gaps so that you're very clear about who you are. And, and what you what you stand for so that people don't backfill. But really, at the end of the day, that makes your life easier, right? Yeah, it, it sure does. At the end of the day, your your reputation is what is true for the people around you. Yeah. So decide whether you want that to be positive or negative. Yeah. And do it sooner rather than later. Yeah. Well, so when? That's the next one, right? Yeah. So when, when does it happen? 
now, then, every single day. All the time. So it really does happen. It has to be something that you're willing to kind of walk the walk for, right? Yeah. And I fall into a terrible trap of having a very full list in my head and think, I'll get to that, whatever that may be. And the world doesn't stop and wait for you to catch up to the thing you should do. And so that's where when becomes very important because the world moves on quite quickly. So you need to be on this on a pretty attentive schedule. Well, I think too. So an example, just to kind of bring it to life a little bit, is that there are times where you wake up and you just don't want to do the thing, whatever the thing is. It might be volunteering at school, but it's usually a thing that you've promised or committed to, right? It's that list of things you were just saying. And so it's easy to just not show up, right? That, That would save you some time, right? But then the question becomes, what will this say about me? Is it a gracious thing that I have to bow out and say I've overcommitted myself? Or is it just sloppy on the front end of things, promising that you'll do things that you never intend to do? Or if you're ill, I mean, we all have real things that come up in Mm -hmm. our life. And I think in general, when it's more the exception than the rule, people can be very gracious and generous about that. But, you know, you really have to think about, is it worth overcommitting and underdelivering? Right. And you're bringing up a great point. If you then understand what you want people to think about you, that I'm someone who follows through, then you need to self-reflect and say, how much can I commit to and actually follow through, Mm -hmm. which will help you with that other conversation in your brain of what you should say yes to and what you should say no to. Yeah, absolutely. So some of the win is really examining the what Mm -hmm. and and making your decisions with your time and your efforts accordingly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's it's really an ongoing process all the time. But if you know that it's a win and that, that the answer to the win is all the time, then that makes the how almost easier. Right. That's true. What's hard for me is the where. Mm-hmm. Because social media is such a force. You know, we had a um, great example. A few years ago, we, we fired a bad employee and she was fired for cause. It was fine. Within 48 hours, like three of her friends had gotten onto our Facebook page and posted ridiculous reviews with like one star. These are people we've never met and would never meet and hadn't worked with at all. So you just have to really think about all the different nooks and crannies where your reputation can be affected. Yeah. I think, too, though, and I think that's a great example, but I think, too, um, logical people can see things like that in, um, you know, from a broad perspective, too. Uh, Things that sound like sour grapes often are. That's true. Um, You know, one of the things that just happened to me this week was um, my son and my daughter really enjoy when Facebook memories pop up because they love seeing old pictures of themselves. And it's also fun sometimes to play the game of which baby is this, right? So when a baby (laughs) picture comes up or somebody that's sub two years old, my kids like to go, no, I think that's me. No, I think that's me. Well, um, just this week, um, a bathtub picture came up where that baby was laying on his belly and his little tushy was exposed. And it was nothing more than a couple of cute, like four sets of (laughs) cute cheeks, right? (laughs) But my son was mortified and he said, you posted my butt? Right. And he was mortified, and I felt horrible. And I had to apologize, and he asked me to delete it, and so I did, which also was hard. Sure. Because that's a memory I enjoy. Well, sure. And when, you know, Facebook 
was invented when I was a parent. So in, in the early days of Facebook, I don't think anybody understood the ramifications of you post this and it's permanent forever and everyone to see in the way that we understand it now. Yeah. So it, it's easy to slip into that trap of posting things that might not be appropriate. You know, the picture of you holding a drink or a million other pictures that you might yeah. later regret. And um, as parents, we're, we're responsible for their reputations until they are old enough to hold that all by themselves. And similarly, as a young parent, um, in lieu of an analog baby book, I would have people comment on the funny things that I would share, and they'd say, oh, make sure you put this in the baby book. And I thought, this is the baby book. Like, yeah. Yeah. it's documented so I can go back to it. And yeah. it wasn't something that I thought in the same context that I do a decade later. Right. Mm -hmm. So what we're learning about how to manage our reputations is being informed every day by the new places in which we need to manage them, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So how do we do it, Karen? How do we get this right? You know what? I think you show up and you follow through. I, <laughs> I think when you make a promise, you keep it. Uh, you know, I think you have to really examine what your values are. What is it? Uh, you know, go back and answer that question. What do you want people to think about you and decide how that aligns with your values? If you just want people to think that you're bubbly and cute, <laughs> which is not what either one of us is particularly interested in. But I mean, really, at the, at the end of the day, when it, when it comes to personal brand management, especially as entrepreneurs or people who um, have a huge stake in, your, in, our, in our own success, I think you decide what it is you want people to Think of you, see if that aligns with your values, and then deliver. And that's pretty simple. The only caveat there is keep your values solid, right? And I think sub-bullet would be just don't be a dick. Yes, don't be a dick. It's a good plan. Yeah, really. it's a good book, actually. Yeah, this um, How Not to Be a Dick, it's a fantastic book. Karen got me a copy as a gift, and it's just a delightful edition of really good advice. It's an everyday etiquette guide by Megan Doherty. It's really sweetly illustrated. It's, it's very kind of mid-century and written in that kind of tone. It's illustrated a bit in that tone. What was, would you use mid-century as a... Maybe a little earlier. It's got a little bit of a Dick and Jane feel to yeah. it, but yet some mid-century tones to the content. But it's just adorable and, and pokes fun at some of the really obvious things you should do. So, But also could be good coffee table reading in... And your place of business, if in fact you'd like to put that forward for your employees. <laughs> Maybe Karen was trying to tell me something when she got me a copy. No, I got you a copy a week that you had two new employees starting. <laughs> That's so I right. I thought that would be funny just to like have out. That's true. It helped me with the uh, new employee onboarding. <laughs> Talking about redheads ethics. Don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> it really is at the end of the day. Like when you do it well and you're consistent, like I said, show up and follow through or say yes and show up and follow through, whatever those yeses are for you, then you don't have to eat humble pie. That is true. But yep. you can always drink humble pie. You can drink humble pie. It's delicious. Check that one out on our website for sure. Thanks for sharing a drink with us. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Easy Underground or on our website, thespeakeasypodcast.com. So here's the question. Are you a rule breaker or a rule follower? Mm, I think a little of both, but it depends on what you're talking about. Next time we want to talk about breaking the rules, when it's not only okay, but when you should. Yes, I think for creatives and entrepreneurs alike, there are times when breaking the rules has proved to be the right thing to do. Join us next time. Cheers. Cheers.